Bet Live, another day, another weapon. We have global keynote speaker, <laughs> best-selling author, outsourced CMO, marketing innovation strategist. It is Carla Johnson. How are you? Hey, I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me here today. Really appreciate um, big global brains coming to help out little old New Zealand. So thank, <laughs> thanks for that. <laughs> you're welcome. You're welcome. You're, you're in Denver at the moment. You, the bubble's safe. The bubble's good. How's um, how's the Colorado mafia going? It is. Uh, you know, we're uh, we moved from stay at home to safe at home. Uh, still trying to abide by some good, healthy social distancing and and just smart common sense about how we interact with each other. We're still trying to keep you know everyday life going. It's it's a tough balance. I'll say that. There's if you're in certain types of services, you're kind of stuffed if you're locked out of if you're at, at home. And then simultaneously, when you're in a certain type of I guess traditional behind a screen in, in businesses, you've a lot of people have millions have seen this whole new world of working of virtual and Microsoft Teams and Google Hangouts and whatever. From all the people that I mean, you're in the marketing sort of space, so this tech stuff's probably not the not the craziest thing what's what's been the most interesting you thing you've seen in terms of i guess traditional businesses have to pivot in this last sort of six weeks that it's kind of really surprised you what's something that sort of jumped out at you you know actually it's it's something and you've probably seen a lot of this with all these interviews that you've done in the in the last few weeks with with different people is um how uh companies and individuals shift into this virtual world and and interpersonal skills and, and talking and how do you keep people's attention in a team meeting when, you know, all day long, it's probably video meetings and, and it's easy to be distracted. And I see that companies that are doing a really good job understand the dynamics of how we communicate in this different kind of medium and especially for marketers. I mean, even though this might be something that's familiar to a lot of marketers, doing it really well and having all, all of this around us be our, our norm for now really is a difference in in how we interact and how we produce work and and um, how we communicate. So I would say that that's really the biggest thing that companies are dealing with is understanding how do we keep teams cohesive, collaborative, um, innovative, moving forward, representing the customer when we're not face to face, because that really changes a lot of dynamics of things. Yeah. They talk about, you know, when you get, I think it's the 21 days or something, you get like a new habit and a new sort of human behavior. Marketing's always, you know, being driven off, you know, uh, how humans interact and behave. And, and mm -hmm. in, a, in a weird way, it's almost a massive marketing challenge because almost the whole paradigm shifted of if human behavior changes, marketing needs to change, you know, like exactly yeah. to, to your point before. What do you think the biggest challenge for marketing is now? I've been talking about this idea of pre-COVID PC, after COVID AC. How do you think marketing will, <laughs> will change its approach to its strategy around, you know, better engagement with new human behaviors after this? Like, how do you think this whole thing rolls out in terms of a marketing sense? You know, it's, it's a good question. And what I, I'll tell you what I hope to see, and I've, and I've started to see this with some companies, is that it's really accelerated the things that marketing has needed to change in the first place. So the companies where they said, you know, digital marketing, it's good. You know, that means sending out an email campaign here and there this whole situation has really accelerated everybody's focus on moving toward digital transformation. Now, we as marketers know that this has been, you know, this has been the thing for the last 20 years, but leave it to the year 2020 to really drive it home and say, no, 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 we're not kidding. Like it really is now or never. And I would say for marketers, the one thing that they really have to understand that a lot of them ha have struggled with during this time is that they don't really 
have an idea of what their customer journey looks like. And now that it it is more digital, it doesn't mean it's always going to stay that way. And I can see some marketers that really need to take notice and, and pay attention to after all of this is over is how do you really start to balance that digital experience with the offline experience and make sure that it all connects? Because really what people still want, it doesn't matter if it's digital or offline or, or how it connects, is that they want an integrated experience that responds to what it is that they need in the moment. And one that's really different and, and unique and gives them a little bit of surprise and delight. And I think that's something that marketers really forget about. Now, surprise and delight doesn't have to mean something you know funny, like something popping out of a birthday cake or something like that kind of surprise and delight. But just based on what matters to your audience, what is it that they would love to see that helps them in whatever they do that they wouldn't expect normally? Because companies don't often think of their customers to that degree. Yeah. And a lot of different businesses marketing sometimes you know pushed to the side as kind of a whatever but then in, in yeah. situations like this it was quite really interesting seeing that without businesses operating brands still needed to be talking but what were they talking about what was the messaging um, were they trying to push or sell or build brand or, or you know get more empathy with your customers or whatever so in a weird way it's been kind of probably some of the trickiest logistical marketing challenges to try and tell a brand story remotely when literally every <laughs> single staff is everywhere. So I've been quite uh, interested, you know, these people like buying B-rolls here, chuck some soft piano music over there, pull in a voice <laughs> thing from there, chuck in the animation over top there, package it all up, craft it to the narrative of, of the legacy of the business being for 50 years, serving the people and whatever. But what was COVID, COVID, yeah. COVID, COVID, COVID. And, and then I kind of thought, well, if everyone does, have you, have you ever seen a, um, a documentary called Push, Pause, Play? No, um, I haven't. It's a, it's basically talking about, um, you know, the the art of creation when and when it gets to a point when everyone does the exact same thing, it just whittles away creativity to blah and nothing actually stands out because everyone just does the same thing. And it was really interesting because what I kind of felt was people saw this thing coming. No one really did, got shit lined up. It then happened and everyone went reactionary and did the exact same thing. And so then I think there was even like a trolling YouTube video that compiled all the different yeah. um, things. And I saw that and I was like, this is what happens when everyone bees reactionary to the moment instead of proactive to what what is potentially coming ahead. So now like New Zealand, so we've just gone, you know, from level four to level three, and then we're going to go three, two, and we work our way down. Do you think marketers now are going to be taking a similar approach to how they are how they you know you know think about their brand story as things scale down or, or you know going back out or trying to get back into business like how do you think the that marketers are going to kind of approach this next sort of tearing or, or system to try and get get the wheels back turning well you know i think we're going to see two different types of marketers um what you just described to, to be honest happens every single day in marketing marketers will look at a company you know and say wow i love what they're doing and instead of really understanding what made another company's message or experience or whatever they did different and unique, they just like literally copy and paste it into their own work. And it comes off looking ridiculous. And I know you've seen a lot of, of what I've seen, just really ridiculous communication coming out of brands right now because marketers don't know how to be creative and uh, creative, particularly in a time of chaos and in a time of crisis to understand what that looks like. So I, when we talk about what marketers are going to do going forward, I think there's going to be a fair amount of them that are still really scared and are so afraid that they're going to offend somebody or say the wrong thing or, or come across as insensitive that they are going to 
stick to this narrow line that's boring that's the same thing that everybody else is saying yep exactly safe risk-free they don't want to ruffle any feathers and they're vanilla oatmeal and and they're to be honest completely forgettable and then in this other camp i think there's going to be this group of marketers who understand that to stand out you really have to take inspiration for from something outside of marketing and bring that in transplant that like look at what made something else really really successful and understand that essence and, and transplant that essence in because when you look at the most creative innovative work that's what i see happening is is that the people are aware of, of much bigger issues than just mm-hmm. what's going on right there in their industry and, and in marketing and they're they're able to um bring that inspiration in i was talking to somebody yesterday actually and they were telling me about a program that they developed for one of their their clients right now to um help uh help them because their their business is very in person and so they're saying you know how, how can we look at connecting people in a way that makes people feel safe going forward and it was interesting because the the um basis for their idea came from looking at drug cartels and and how they interacted. And I thought, you know, that may be one of the most unusual places of, of inspiration. But when you look at the marketers and what they're doing, that's what they're doing is that they're looking for that inspiration completely outside of marketing, outside of their industry, whatever it is. And, and those are the ones that we're gonna remember because they're new and fresh and different and, and really great ideas. Yeah, it kind of brings up a good point, Carl. It's almost like offense. I think of sports. I'm always, you know, offense and defense is always going to be like handbrakes up, let's play it safe. Yeah. And there's always going to throw the hammer down, put the gas in, and, and, and try and be brave. The same thing is going to is happening at the moment with leadership, right? And like boards yeah. of how they, you know, now you, you talk about digital transformation. It's almost been like forced by a gun to the head to try and transform the businesses to this, this new way of working, this new system, this cloud, all these other things. When it comes to, Um, old defensive leaders with offensive marketers, and then you're going to have de- defensive—I mean, offensive leaders with defensive marketers—and it's going to be this yep. this tango not, internally because, you know, I'm imagining if we're in offense, it's like it's a new world. Let's push. Let's go. How do you think that tension is going to end up playing out from a client side, from um, agency side, and actually getting things out the door? Because there's going to be a lot more dynamics in terms of um, production, creativity, and marketing moving forward, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think a lot of that tension happens when either side, whether it's marketing, the client, the executives, they don't have a clear understanding or expectation of what marketing is and what their role is in the business. Because, uh, and you touched on this a little bit, um, a little bit ago, there are plenty of companies and executives who see marketers as what I call do me teams, you know, do me a brochure, do me a landing page, do me a newsletter kind of thing. That's not the least bit strategic. So if we look at this as in, let's really have a common definition of what marketing is and what we expect marketing to do. And, you know, again, going back to bringing in that voice of the customer, then it starts to change the whole dynamics because a lot of executives get fearful of um, an offensive marketing team when they don't really understand what it is that marketing is doing. So their reaction is, no, 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 it's too risky. You know, put the brakes on. We're just going to keep it safe. And then there's lots of executives who are saying, go, go, go. You know, we have this tremendous opportunity and the marketers are still in the well, you know, tell me what to do. So understanding, 
the expectation, you know, how do you define marketing? What's the expectation of it? And really, how does that support that bigger purpose objective of the company? Then you start to bring people all into that same story and everybody understands their role as, as a character in that story. Yeah. Do you think after COVID AC that, that the entire world of marketing and its dynamics will change between clients and agencies and output like do you think this is a moment that will be is it the the you know general motors horse to car thing is that a do you think it's that big or do you think it will just pivot what it's done or do you think it'll radically transform what it is i, I don't think it'll be a radical transformation i think that we're going to see um an evolution and we'll probably look back at this time and say this really was the impetus that that made this big change because even if you look back at at the shift from horse-driven carriages to cars, it didn't happen overnight. It was a drift from one to the other. And I think that's what we're going to start seeing with marketing is more of a drift. So we have seen with this you know, digital demand that 2020 is going to be that year that we'll look back on and say, okay, that's what really made digital transformation happen out of necessity. Now, how marketers handle it, I think a lot depends on what we're willing to step up and, and do and accept as a profession. But there has never, I mean, I've said this for the last few years, there's never been a better opportunity or time to be a marketer that, man, I've never meant it more than with what's going on right now. Mm. That's for sure. So I, I think what happens next is completely up up to marketers to define and decide. The, the shift of, I, I'm really intrigued with how the speed of this this thing is rolling out with how people are having to react, especially virt virtually of, in terms of creation. Mm -hmm. and, and as this plays out over the next couple of months and, and over the year for, for the market, how, I think it logistically it won't be the same, so things will change. But in your opinion, looking at, you know, saying this is the biggest opportunity, before that, what do you think has been broken within marketing of why, they haven't jumped to this new opportunity. Like what's been the, the, what's been the macro handbrake on marketing that hasn't been brave enough to take it into the future? I think habit, habit in how marketers are used to behaving. Um, even the marketing teams that I see who really want to change and, and want to do things differently when push comes to shove and they're against a deadline or an executive comes in and they want something, they default to whatever is familiar and whatever they've done as a habit. Well, now we've seen with everything that's gone on, you just can't do that. And so unless marketers and, and um, executives have a clear vision of the future and what they want it to look like, then again, marketers are going to default to what they've always done in the past or just spin their wheels in, in the midst of all this chaos. Because it's, it's, we are going to work our way out of chaos slowly. And I believe that this, this drift from one to another is very much going to be defined by the language that we use to talk about what it is that we're doing. And if we've ever had an opportunity to start to change that conversation and, and how we look at marketing, it's now because we can change the words that we use and we can drift that conversation a lot mm. faster. And um, that's that's what I would love to see. And that's what I'm excited about looking at the, at the AC time as you yeah. talk about it. The yeah it's always almost going to be a byproduct of the bravery of marketing is going to be yeah. led by the bravery of the organization. So the, the, the leaders at the top, you hope they go into offense to be able to push it even, even more. The moving into the, this, this, this AC world, what's the, the gap right now that you see in the landscape with 
um, like one of my predictions I was thinking about as soon as it was going to be lockdown, I was like, there's going to be a shit ton of more, you know, live music, DJ sessions, um, creativity and artists are going to be locked in rooms and they have this wave of creation. Then I was going down to, you know, there's going to be more bored uh, people at home doing TikToks, all these other kind of, they're quite predictable things, which is human behavior. Out the back of this, what type of um, consumer behaviors around either consumption or, or, or of content or whatever, are you kind of seeing pop out at, at the at the end of this? Do you think we'll be humans and, and public will be craving different things? Or like, what are you kind of, what's your take on, on, um, on consumption habits over this next little bit? You know, I, I think, to be honest, I think the consumption habits are going to be very different depending on where in the world that you are and what you're like naturally. Um, to be honest, I think Americans are going to go right back up to high consumption. I think they're going to have a, a short memory, a short attention span. And I think um, I think that's just how Americans are wired and that's where they're going. Um, not to say that there aren't a fair amount of either individuals or, you know, teams or brands who will behave significantly differently. But I think that as as a whole, that's what will happen in, in the US. And part of that is is because they can now, but part of it is also because um, that kind of consumption drives an economy and looking at it from that point of view. But I think we need to be very careful about the difference between just consumption and spending money to invest in something that delivers an outcome for the longer term. Mm. I think there are, um, other countries in the world that are smarter about how, how they'll come out of this, um, whether it's uh, consumption, whether it's how they treat the environment as part of the business, whether it's uh, internal, you know, how we all communicate as people, whether it's teams inside a business or, you know, my neighbor and, and, and me, I think, I think it'll really vary. I don't think that we can say specifically one thing or another is going to happen. And, uh, you know, people might surprise us too. I think, yeah, humanity always su surprises it at all times I've, I've even just <laughs> through this whole thing like some of the stuff you see like holy shit i mean nothing nothing surprises me at this point when when you look at you know your role within it obviously um uh, speaking and and you've got the author stuff and you're doing this outsource cmo the idea of um outsourcing what's your sort of headspace on when it comes to brands going in-house with their own agencies or outsourcing to traditional do you have any thoughts on potentially where you think the the role of agencies might actually shift and, and morph over the, over this next five ten years i think that um whether or not a company uses it internally as their own you know in-house group or or externally i think it depends on what the groups what the company's objective is I, one of the things that I love about seeing companies that use outsource agencies is they are able to bring together a lot of different experiences, a lot of different um, uh, types of projects, a lot of different uh, perspectives by working with many companies that you don't get when your team is all in-house. And I think that's one of the strongest values that I see agencies bring to a brand is that their ability to say, you know, here's what we're seeing across the landscape. Here's really what you need to consider. Here's what we tried in this situation. Here's how it turned out. You know, maybe we could tweak it and use it this way here. And I think companies that are looking at bringing everything inside with the guise of, of cost savings or efficiency, I think they lose, uh, you know, a tremendous amount of um, intellect and, uh, you know, back to inspiration and, and potential by not bringing in some of that outside perspective from an agency. Yeah, the, the balance off of, of some, a, a friend was 
talking to me about she said you know in a certain business when they tried to do it they're like oh stuff it we can just you know we'll get one person to, to lead it what ended up happening is they had a whole bunch of people in ops and then one person in the corner that was the creative and without <gasps> a, without a um that creative environment they just stuck there in a cubicle and they felt trapped and then it just all turned to shit because there wasn't all the different the um the the, the nuances of of the culture and community that you sort of need around creative thinking to, to to bring that to the forefront and it ended up sort of basically turned to shit but um so it was like a, yeah, it, <laughs> well and, and you never have a, a credibility inside a company like you do if you come from the outside yeah. you know so so there's also that you know the credibility of where great ideas come from like at the at the end of this coming into ac where do you think the biggest like shift in, in dollars is going to move within marketing do you think it will like where do you think the money uh, where do you think a bunch more money is going to go into in the next 12 months i think to be honest i i think it's going to be content and content marketing programs because if we look at what has happened um now is not the time to do traditional advertising pushing your brand pushing your product it's really more about um helping your customers by answering whatever questions that they have and the way that you do that and you do it effectively and help them across this whole span of their customer journey is through content marketing because that's your real opportunity to build that relationship earlier. It helps in the sales process, you know, by having a better educated customer earlier in the process. It helps during the decision making. It helps with customer retention. And I know I've seen brands during this time who have really gone um, gangbusters with content, you know, whether that's the, um, uh, more publishing on their blog, maybe that's videos, whatever that content format is, they've really seen this as an opportunity as in it, this is how we engage with our customer base, with our audience, you know, with our, our bigger community is through content. And I, and I think that we will see an, an increase in that in the next 12 months. In the PC pre-COVID, where were you most frustrated with seeing millions and millions going down the, the drain like what were you looking at and you were like this shit's whack like what was the thing that sucked <laughs> you know it's uh i think i've seen it my whole career and that's brands who are just constantly push 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 product and you know here's what i sell here's what it is here's the features here's the benefits and the, you know just like how much more can you throw up brand content and product content and things like that without ever a true consideration to what matters to your customer and making whatever marketing that you do truly customer centered. And I, I really do hope that this is a big departure from that and that we start to see that um, uh, that brands have become more sensitive to say, okay, there's there's this disaster. We can't just push ourselves in our, our, our products. We do have to be a little bit more sensitive. I hope that part carries over and that we can put some of that awfulness behind us and, and really make the work that we do truly customer centered yeah the um the copy paste here's the product buy this thing world is probably done and and even just after this i was talking to someone yesterday and they were they were questioning whether um there'll be a new um way people look at glamour because yeah. you know a whole bunch of these influencers have been super quiet stuck at home in their pajamas for this last six weeks and then actually people realizing oh is that the real world is this is this like i think they know it's that that i don't know if it's the kardashian effects the right the right word but that whole thinly veiled instagram copy paste bullshit i think 
it's seeped through that that's maybe not the reality of the real world so i'm wondering you know exactly to, to your point carla is around you know what's the i call it story behind the story like what is how do you get depth with the thing don't just show me the show me the product show me the thinking of how they created the art to make that thing show me the story behind the person that does it by hand show me the you know story behind the story and um yeah it's a great marketing opportunity but at the same time you know the idea is one thing execution's another you, you hope they yeah. can be sort of brave enough to get there but I, and I think that that'll depend on what customers demand. Mm. You know, if, if customers go back and, you know, go back and want the shiny influencer, then then that's what will happen. But I do think that our expectations of what a, a, an influencer or, or a brand, you know, however, if it's an individual or, or a company shows up, I think it is. I think it is going to change. And, um, uh, you know, when we're all at home for this long and we know what real life is like, it's uh, salt in the wounds and it's just um, the authenticity isn't there of the highly yeah. polished influencer. And, and that means that we don't trust them and trust is going to be huge right now. Yeah. Do you feel that like the, what's your take on the influencer landscape uh, that have how it's evolved and where it's potentially where it is right now and where, where it's going? Well, you know, I mean, I work in B2B, so I can't speak so much to the consumer side. But I think in, in B2B, the, because it takes such a long time to close a sale, there it's been harder to um, game, the, game the game, I would say, because um, buyers look so much at, at, at influencers and what they're doing and what they're talking about. And there's time to see how things play out. Where in the consumer side, I don't think people have that long of an attention span from purchase to purchase kind of thing. But I think in, in the B2B world, there's a lot that stays steady that perhaps won't be changed as much as definitely I think will happen in, in the consumer world. Yeah. Um, we had a big, we still have the issue in New Zealand. Obviously we're a small country, a couple million people, but you know, I did a tally and about 70% of all New Zealand's influencers has had actually just kind of bought their followers and then they were leveraging that to the brands. And I kind of, my friends were running some of these brands and I said, to, I was like, not only should you not pay them, you should sue them for fraud. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, and, and then, you know, it's sort of been bubbling on doing its thing, but it's why I kind of got really passionate about it is because friends of mine who, you know, who have presence in the community and these, these micro sort of crew, like they do amazing products and services for, and this is the, the way they make a living. It's devaluing the a great asset that they have to the market by having a whole bunch of this, you know, fake glamour copy paste bullshit with people going around and kind of screwing brands you know and and i just i still haven't felt like there's been a balance yet within the influencer space of like a authentic influencer charter or a set of 100 percent guidelines that all agencies have to do and, and in new zealand the issue that we had is brands were trusting agencies that represent the the talent trust in mm -hmm. the agency but the agency isn't going to validate and sense check those numbers because then why would they if they're all of a sudden only going to get 30 percent instead of 100 percent because the rest of it's been forged right so there's yeah, just this yeah. weird tension and the brands trust the agency but the agency it's not in their best interest to do it so i'm kind of sitting there <laughs> like guys this is fraud what are we doing here like <laughs> you know and that's spot on but I, I think we have the responsibility even as marketers and brands we have to be good consumers of whatever it is that we're buying you know, if we were buying a car, we would dig into it much more than we would, you know, than we do a lot of the consumers that we work with or, you know, influencers that we work with. So we have to look at how do we spend money in other parts of our lives? And are, are we using that same kind of 
rigor and protocol with how we spend the money of the companies that we work for. And I don't know about you, but if I didn't have any idea how to buy something, I wouldn't just throw money at it out of a cannon and like cross my fingers and think, you know, I hope that works okay. But you look at plenty of marketers do that. And and I think it's it's very much on our own. It affects our own credibility as professionals when we're not good consumers of how to leverage some of these tools because there there are plenty of influencers out there who do have a yeah. an honest honestly built audience who do have influence but when you cloud it with people who are who are just buying them and it's really looking at are we impressed by the numbers of the followers or are we impressed by the engagement and yeah. true true influence of the people and and I think that's where people get hung up and kind of starry-eyed with the influencers and and don't use good judgment it's well it's the living for likes thing as well and yeah. you know, when um we we're doing a whole bunch of video production stuff i remember someone said oh i said what's the goal of you're trying to do here they're like oh you know we want we want views i was like is it views or is it the action off the content right and, and it's like oh what do you mean like we want we want this to go viral and i'm like okay well, let's say <laughs> viral is never a goal yeah, it's like okay cool but i was like let's say one video has you know a uh, hundred views would you say that's success and they're like oh no shit no i was like okay well what if that hundred views was selling a lamborghini and two people out of that hundred came in and then dropped it would it still be a success he's like oh yeah i'm like so the number the number lies because you're not asking the then what for what you're wanting it to do specifically it needs context or it just becomes this like it's a flipper number. It's like, it's make number. it go viral. It's like, the it's the do, the do me, yeah. Do me a logo. Do me a, do me <laughs> do a brochure. Me a yeah. Make me go viral. It's like, holy shit. Yeah. Jeez. So, yeah, I, I hope, we'll see. I mean, we humanity always gets hopeful for awesomeness, but somehow a bunch of Muppets still just keep doing dumb yeah. shit. I don't know. I, just like, I totally agree. <laughs> so, they get away with it. That's why. Yeah, I'll, we'll stay radically optimistic. I was going to ask yeah. the... um. In New Zealand, with this basically uh, uh, speaking, uh, every single conference got cancelled for basically the entire year. Um, Celebrity Speakers, which does all the main bookings and stuff, they've now um, launched uh, Mentor Me, which is like a digital sort of uh, mentor advisory sort of service. In your world, obviously, you were speaking at a lot of different concert, uh, conferences and stuff. How have you pivoted your own your own space and strategy with how you approach commercialization of your skill set now that everything's virtual? Like what, what's your headspace been at, at for this, um, this sort of change with, with the landscape around events? Yeah. Well, some of, some of the events that I've been booked for have moved from, you know, the big stage to virtual. So it's shifting how I give keynotes, you know, it's, it's not going to be a, a 35, 45 minute keynote like you and I are with just me with a talking head. I, I look at how do I add the entertainment value that helps with the education level that leaves everybody, you know, the event organizer, me as a speaker who's trying to help my audience and the attendees walk away going, well, that, that really was worth sitting in front of my computer for however many minutes because it's an entirely different experience. So I look at how do I, how do I shift to the virtual world in a way that has a different kind of experience and more meaning. Some of the other events that I've been booked for have moved to the fall and you know some may end up you know in the next calendar year. The other thing that I've done is that I've had, um, for me, I've had a lot of interest in going deeper into the things that I talk about into workshops. So it's been a great time for me to really go out to my, um, my audience and say, as I break this up and put it into workshops, how do you want to see it? What would be most valuable and even prioritizing it? Because what I would have done 
even just two months ago is probably different in priority and, and what I cover for content than it is now. So I look at, you know, the different ways to slice and dice the content that I talk about mm -hmm. and de deliver it that deliver it in a way that's most helpful to people right now. Well, yeah, cause I've been looking at a whole bunch of all the different conferences that have just flipped to the cloud and whatever. And, and I'm sitting there thinking, I don't know if, if they don't take more of a creative approach to the delivery of that content, the engagement's going to be as high. It's, it's oh, yeah. you know, people will people will spend five thousand dollars to go to a conference in person when they could live stream it at home for free. It's like why are they going? It's the connection, it's the intangibles, it's the curation, it's the nuances, the touch, the feel. It's 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 all that stuff. Yeah. And then kind of to what we were talking about before, I was like, how do we, how do you virtualize? culture and care and depth and engagement through a screen when you're not there i think that that there's hooks in there which i don't know if it's a human behavior thing or if it's a marketing issue or whatever it is but exactly it's a great time to to rethink um engagement in virtual spaces right yeah and i, and I think it's also how we engage those audiences and spark the opportunity for the bigger conversations now in in a traditional event it happened in the hallway it would happen in happy hour after the you know after the days um, speakers or dinners or however it would play out so now we're looking at how do you spark those bigger conversations now where do those conversations go do they go online do they go to zoom rooms after you know a session um, is it one to one people call me we email you know where does that all go that that to me as a speaker is an important thing to think about as we look at bringing up the level of of uh, engagement of participation and mm -hmm. and really of resonating with the audience so they keep thinking back to whatever it is that I talked about or other speakers speakers talked about so that they can take what we taught and actually put it into play yeah the um I was talking to a CEO of this one company and he absolutely hates working remotely because he he's an energy person and per, in person ah. and he can't get the nuances of reading people or reading the room or he, he and he just absolutely hates it but then i was also thinking well if we're all in virtual there's going to be the new weapons that will be able to dominate in this in this virtual world with the different little trinkets they put into to, to create that engagement i guess it's gonna it's it's putting a good filter of talent across all of the different yeah. speakers you know who can who can step up to the plate to be able to do those different things? You know, is it a randomized yeah. random pop-up Q and A with someone in the crowd or whatever, whatever it may be. Um, what are you most, what are you most um, fearful of after, after, after Corona AC? What are you most fearful of in marketing? You know what? I, I can't, I am a perpetual optimist. Um, and I can't say that there's a lot that I fear or um, I'm also not somebody who, who focuses on the downside. So I can't say that there's things that I consciously fear. Um, I think there's things that I'm just uh, proactively disappointed in because, you know, like we talked about, I think there's still a, a, a tremendous number of marketers who are going to stay in, in the old work of mark, mark, old world of marketing mm. and just keep beating their head against the wall. And they don't understand that unless they have this vision of the future for what marketing looks like, they're always going to be stuck in the past. Hmm. or still in that turmoil of, of chaos of, of the present. Um, and, and that to me is, is really disappointing, but um, fearful. I can't say that there's anything that I'm really genuinely fearful of. And what are you most excited for? If you're a perpetual optimist, 
What are you most optimistic about? <laughs> I think I, I am optimistic that there's a lot about how we've either done marketing or done business that we're going to scrape away and we're going to start looking at, um, uh, you know, rethinking how is it that we do things? How is it that we look at the work that we do? And how can we really rethink the impact that we can have in, in the lives of our customers? And how do we start to raise that value that we've always said is really important, but we haven't necessarily done? Mm. Good points. Um, if people want to check out um, you, your website or bits and pieces, where can they go? What can you do um, to be able to check out you and your work? Uh, absolutely. My website is carlajohnson.co. There's no M, just .co. I'm very active on there with my blog, and you can also connect with me on LinkedIn. I always love that. On Twitter, I'm at Carla Johnson, and on Instagram, I'm carlajohnson.co. Just like that. I really appreciate, like pr appreciate the time. It's cool getting a global, I guess, bigger macro perspective on um, on where the marketing world is. And it's kind of comforting knowing there's quite a similar alignment in terms of where it is in New Zealand to there. So, you know, when, there's no reason we can't be um, up, up to pass. I'm pretty, pretty feeling a bit Absolutely. more positive. So I really appreciate it. Good, good, I'm happy. <laughs> good. Well, I really enjoyed our conversation. Thanks so much for the invitation to be a part of this. For sure. Thanks so much, Carla. Have a good one. All right. Take care. You too. See ya. Awesome chats. Yeah, the marketing side of, of watching how this whole thing's gone is it's been definitely pretty interesting. I have been intrigued, excited, I don't know if ex excited is the word, but I've definitely been um, intrigued just by seeing the different brains that exist. And, um, you know, like in America, you know, they've got hundreds of million people, lots, 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 lots more, more money for, for marketing. And even just seeing some of the same rules apply to a big 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 market or a small 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 market um from the states to new zealand um even though you know we're one percent of the population the thinking is pretty much on par so well done new zealand that is pretty cool um hmm, good one team until the next one i'll see you soon peace